This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, episode 291, an experiment in terror. It's Hot Takes Tuesday. There's just too much WWE programming in the wake to do one show and not have it feel stale that we're giving takes on Monday Night Raw on a Thursday night. So Chris and I, Chris is here. Say hi, Chris. Hi, Jeff. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing fine. More from Chris in a bit, but we're trying something for as long as we can. Trying to do maybe two episodes a week. Uh, One to give kind of the main roster slog so to speak, you know, our opinions on things that have hit the news before they get too stale. And then later in the week, the fun stuff, the 205s, the NXTs, throwback stuff. Should I assign something or should Chris want to watch something? And, you know, it may just be one of us sometimes. Hopefully it'll be both of us. But, uh, you know, life happens. So we're going to see how this goes. Chris bought a sofa. I didn't buy a sofa, Jeff. <laughs> I don't buy sofas. Are you, are you are you leasing it? No, I acquired a sofa, Jeff. Oh, you acquired a sofa. Someone gave you a love seat. Sort of. Someone got evicted in my apartment complex, <laughs> and today I acquired a lamp that matches my lamp set, and I got a nice kind of sort of almost leathery thing. It's a small black leather love seat and it is great for the price of zero dollars wait so the landlord just lets you go in and go hey take whatever you want they got evicted like like they can't have no more rights to their stuff it got put out on the street today this is sort of the end of the <laughs> eviction line jeff as we were about to record this the scavengers were out i was looking outside my window and seeing people checking out this shelving unit and going hmm how are we going to fit this into our ford explorer people are vultures people are absolute vult- like in los angeles you can't even put something outside of your car for a second without somebody coming by and, and just taking it and it's like I, no I, I wasn't giving that away I, I i was just setting that down so i could go back to my car nope mine now sucker well, yeah, again, this is an eviction. The next place all of this stuff was going was over to the dumpster. This is a... So was it in, is it in apartment. good condition? Yeah. Oh, no, this sofa is in unbelievable condition. Uh, for a used sofa, I mean, there were a few scuffs on the leather. It That was it. And also there was like a sticky juice residue thing kind of inside one of the Ugh. cracks that I had to clean out. But other than that, oh, also there was a Swisher Suite... Uh, wrapper in there. I, I'll leave you to imagine what these Swisher Sweets were being used for. I I, I would ne- I would never try and uh, guess on on that. That would be that'd be rude of me. But uh, a lot of uh, a lot of big news for just two days in the WWE. Roman Reigns is fighting leukemia again. This is a big deal, and one should not make light of it. No matter your feelings on. Roman Reigns, the character, um, keep Roman Reigns, Joe and, uh, Anoa'i, I don't know how to say his last name per se, but 
keep him in your thoughts and prayers because if you've ever had a family member have to battle leukemia, um, it is it is not easy. And he's already beat it once. Um, it's a huge loss for the WWE, especially given that they were seemingly building the company around him again um, as champion this time after the re- quote-unquote redemption story. But it also, you know, it, it appears that they're going to, you know, shuffle some pieces to try things now, which kind of, you know, this can be a very interesting time right now in WWE. Um, And it's unfortunate that it's because of this tragedy. Um, I'll tell you one thing, Chris, that, that really kind of made me angry. And that was the company's handling of this announcement. Because... If you if you watch the show at the beginning, they're absolutely kayfabing the entire thing. That pissed me off because that's one of two things. Either you're being very cynical and you haven't let the announcers in on it, and I'm not sure they did, or you're being cloying and kind of pretending and playing it off so that you get maximum emotional effect from your audience. And it really pissed me off that they're talking about this crown jewel and, and things like after they had made the announcement on Twitter or after it had gotten out that they're acting like this is just Roman Reigns coming out to talk to the WWE universe. It, it really, it, it, it was low grade. You combine that with the bad timing of that U- Undertaker Kane vignette with the Graves. And then on SmackDown on Tuesday, not only is it a story about Roman Reigns, but it's about all the media they got about the story on Roman Reigns. It, it, it was, you know that WWE cares about Roman Reigns and his condition. It's that they can't help themselves. But it also feels like, how, do, how can we use this for maximum publicity about the WWE? And, and really just, it, it, it came off so lame to me. Yeah. And I felt all of the same things you felt with the intro into this, the fact that we had to buy that this was going to be a kayfabe moment, and then all of a sudden, here comes Joe shattering kayfabe, and then the way that the announced team came out of it. Not the part where Graves and Renee were really speaking from the heart, but just the whole, he just loves to entertain people and everything. The WWE rhetoric... There are little buzzwords that they like to use. It felt really, really hollow in that moment. And I, I think you could have just let it breathe. Yeah, well, there was a lot about that. I I, I was a bit down on, on Joe's promo in the first half because it was all about, you know, I fought leukemia once and football was done for me, but the WWE was there for me, guys. You know, as opposed to wrestling or the industry. And there's a lot of and, I in there. And, like, I mean, obviously, like, look, it's an emotional promo about how he's fighting leukemia. I get all of that. But he, he was not talking about wanting to come back to show all of the fans and all of the young children, all the Make-A-Wish children, that you can beat cancer that cancer can be beaten and be an example to all of them. It was more personal. And, yeah. uh, like, again, I get that it's personal, but it seems like WWE wanted to work this into the kayfabe somehow, so I have to sort of assess it 
on that level as well. I thought the second half of the promo was great, though. And, and you know, it really... Man, I mean, I, I had... I welled up. I'll, I'll admit. I, I Oh, yeah, I was crying at the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. But, but it was still... It was really... I mean, I knew why he was coming out there. And I was still... It, it's still... It just... Crown Jewel in two weeks in Saudi Arabia, and you're just like, no, no, give give the moment its gravitas as opposed to the whoa, we didn't expect this to happen. It's like, oh my god, how can you be that tone deaf, especially in a time where you're plugging a show? Just, well, how about the Susan G. Komen tone stuff? deafness? Well, there's that. Yeah. You have the show that screams tone deafness, and then you also have the fact that you're supposed to be against cancer. This entire month is supposed to be fight against cancer month. Now it's breast cancer, but cancer is cancer. And all of this should be seen as a piece. Yeah, I'm I'm just it 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 just All right, segment 1 we'll do the marketing, segment 2 on with the show. <laughs> it's just I I I thought it was handled poorly, but I I think these two nights there's been a lot that was handled poorly, mostly I mean, I well, let, let's wrap up the Roman thing in it's bookended at the end of raw by Dean Ambrose, all of a sudden turning on Seth Rollins. Yeah. I didn't need that at the end of raw. I, I didn't need these two guys to hate each other or start a feud this week. I'd like to have my moment to grieve a little. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe that's just, maybe that's just being selfish on my part. But to have the kind of the, you know what? It would have been nice to have the feel good moment of they did, even though it look it's there's no good way about it. If you have Dean turn on on Seth, it's maximizing people's grief for this heat. If you have them win it for Roman or whatever, then then it's kind of a you know, it's cheesy, but it's still, you kind of want that moment a little bit. You want that moment of tribute, e- even if the WWE would never handle it correctly. I don't think um, it landed with the audience quite right either. Like, they were asking... The turn? Yeah, they were kind of asking themselves, okay. why is this happening? Rather than, why are you doing this? Which is a slightly different question. Well, I'm, I was wondering that too. I got to be honest with you. I was wondering what set him off to do that rather than the need for we need this now because he can't turn on Roman. And I think, you know, you got to give them the week to this week. <laughs> Dean Ambrose will explain his actions. And, you know, it'll probably be something dumb like, oh, you said something and it set me off or something. It was I, something I, about the titles and how for Seth it's always about the titles. I think that's where this is going in that for Dean it was never about the gold, it was about the glory and the brethren and Seth never cared about the brethren, he only ever cared about the titles. I think that's the story we're going to get. I could be wrong. Now, I, I think probably my quote-unquote hottest take would be in the aftermath of of this surprise announcement by Roman Reigns. After Crown Jewel, now would be the time for Vince McMahon to step down. And I'll tell you why. I think in this kind of situation, and, and you, you saw it in history, when Hogan left WWF, when when Ric Flair left WCW, um, 
you know, it, it, it's going to be a time of massive change, and they're going to be trying to figure out who they want to build around. I would like a new regime to be able to pick that guy. I, I, I just think it needs fresh eyes. This would be the time, if Vince was looking at, like, a two- or three-year plan to step down and step away from control, I think this would be the time to do it. Now, I don't think he's going to, but I, I just think a fresh regime should be able to pick the next guy because I, I think Vince's instincts are going to be, well, let, let's, you know, the whole phony brass ring thing while still really picking Braun Strowman. Yeah, no, I think I, I this think ends up on Braun Strowman for the foreseeable future. And, and to be frank, it probably should. He hasn't really had his chance to run with the brass ring, so to speak, yet. And it is time to see if he can be that top of the card guy. I think that's why we were starting to get the soft turn of Braun Strowman here this week. Well, I mean, and that, and yeah, I'm glad you noticed that too, because I could not believe I, I, I was listening to, um, I, I forget which podcast I was listening. I listened to a bunch of podcasts on Tuesday about raw, but someone's still convinced that drew McIntyre is the baby face in this. And I'm like, no, they did. Well, they did, he they should be on this. So I, I get why one could be mistaken on that because Braun Strowman attacked Dolph Ziggler and very clearly was going to attack Drew McIntyre, too, following that loss. So Drew looked and said, strike or be stricken, and decided that he was going to strike first. So it makes some sense that Drew would do it. He's the smaller guy going after the bigger guy. He's going after the monster among men. There's sort of a brave quality about it when he says, I'm the only one who's willing to hunt this guy down. There's sort of a brave quality about that that sort of almost rings true. But it's pretty clear to me that we're going with Drew as a heel figure Braun's going to become the champion, and and I'm guessing he'll eventually beat Drew, too, but they might have a prolonged feud. Well, l l let me throw this at you. I thought Braun's reaction to Paul Paul Heyman's promo, which I thought I thought was outstanding. Oh, yeah, it was great. I thought Paul Heyman's promo was outstanding this week. But, but Braun's response, pure babyface. Yeah, exactly. Roman's going to get the first shot at the title when he comes back, and I'm going to be a fighting champion. I'm like, that threw me off because he's been outward, you know, don't you dare screw up. Or I'm yeah, he's gonna, been a know, total dick. He was bullying Drew yeah. and Dolph. Like, when Drew attacked Braun last week, the auspices was that Braun does not accept any degree of failure or loss in a sport where half of the participants lose. Like, there are going to be some L's, and Braun can't tolerate that. So he's being the unreasonable one, and has been the unreasonable one. Yeah, it's it's so odd. Yeah, it really and is. That, but, but, I mean, they don't need to explain the pivot as long as now they go the two separate ways now. you you got to establish Drew. I'm a little shocked they didn't put him in, in, in a triple threat to replace Roman, uh, especially with this breakup, but... Uh, no, it'll be interesting to see how they – we always have to give them that extra week to follow up to see what's going on. But speaking of Crown Jewel, there was a rumor that Daniel Bryan and John Cena were off of the show. And I, I can only assume that if that is true, even though the marketing and the promos do not seem to indicate that these two are off of Crown Jewel. 
that would be for very different reasons. I, I tend to think if Daniel Bryan is off the show, it's a pure crisis of conscience thing where it's like, look, I'm not going over there because of what the Saudi Arabian government did. I, and I won't go for John Cena. I, I see it more as a cynical. I'm about to be in a big movie and I need to protect my brand type thing. Yeah. I think for John, it could even be a crisis of conscience as well. He, he might have, it could be. I, I don't want to deny that. Yeah, yeah no, no. I, I mean, I, I think it could be both, but I, I think that he very much has all of his interests in alignment to not be at this show. And frankly, there are a lot of reasons one could not want to be at this show. But it's it's weird. If they are off this show, there's nothing in the storylines indicating it. They, they're they still going with... I mean, they, they re-ran the Usos, Daniel Bryan, and AJ Styles again. I mean, you can always port it over to Survivor Series, I guess. But if he's off the show... Why are they still saying that they're going to have this big match at Crown Jewel? I don't know. Maybe so, they're trying to leave the door open. I could see how you might want to buy yourself a few days to try to negotiate with Daniel Bryan if indeed Daniel Bryan's off of the show. I just want to say that I, I do understand, though, why people would want to do this just because I, I keep going back to the very awkward Arya Davari skit from the last Saudi Arabia show. Oh. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Oh, I could not believe they tried. <laughs> the joke is... His life hey, has been hell out a, since then. They'll throw out a journalist character to come out there next, and you're just like, no, no, please don't do that. Please. Um, well, I was joking with but, you that I want Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Buzzsaw Muhammad bin <laughs> Sultan. Bonesaw? <laughs> like to thank our sponsor this week, Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. Now, our very own Chris Novembrino has been a user of Robinhood for a few months now. Chris, tell the people about your experience. Well, I like Robinhood. I've gotten into investment probably over the last 12 months here, and I checked out Robinhood because I heard that it was commission-free. And, and one of the things that has been a hurdle for me with investment is I don't make a lot of money. And so when you are doing investments in small stocks and small amounts, the commissions really add up. So you have to save up a lot of money before you can get into the market kind of have to save before you buy, and then you can only buy small amounts because you don't want to get dinged on commission. And Robinhood pulls that all out of the mix. So you can get in for a small amount of money and start buying stocks one at a time, two at a time if you want, because there is no commission. So you can buy, you can sell, there's no cost to you. So you can make those small moves if you want to do things like that. I like it as well because I can use it on my cell phone or I can use it on my computer. I like the computer spread real nice. It's very, very pretty and very, very easy to use, easy to sort through stuff, and they keep making tweaks that make it better. But the nice part is that the mobile app works really well and it is also very easy to get around. It's very zen in its design. And when they say that they make this easy, you're not inundated with charts. So 
if you need to do research, you're probably going to need to do that elsewhere. But what Robinhood makes extremely easy because they remove that part of the equation from the mix, except for, you know, kind of a bare bones. Here's what it looks like over the year. Here's what it looks like over five years. Robinhood makes it very, very easy for you to see lots of stocks and choose what you want to buy or sell. As you mentioned, Jeff, they have they have exchange traded funds and they also have cryptos as well so if you're interested in things like bitcoin and litecoin you can go about doing transactions on that front and you can do that 24 hours a day versus doing it on the stocks they recently also expanded out their hours so they used to have a more conventional tighter trading schedule now there are expanded hours on Robinhood too so it's a great time to join and we have a great offer don't we jeff Robinhood right now is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. All you have to do is sign up at shake.robinhood.com. At shake.robinhood.com, that'll let them know that uh, we sent you there, and uh, they'll be very happy about that. Uh, Once again, shake.robinhood.com. Get a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint. Don't sleep on that Apple, guys. You know, this thing is, is... Wow, I'm I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens within the company in the next two weeks about this. Um, speaking of players who might be on the verge of getting pushes into maybe being the guy, I mean, I still think I still think Seth Rollins is up there. I think Daniel Bryan could be moved over to Raw and become it. Elias made a face turn. Yeah, see the problem is that this character is sort of ironically fun to like. And yeah. I don't think that he is going to be a lot of fun long-term as a babyface, even though I get that the crowd cheers for the guy. It's just, it's hard. Like, his act, the whole gimmick is he's not a good musician. I, I, I've been asked this a few times, so I'll answer it here. Is Elias a good guitarist? And the answer I have for this is that if Elias was trying to work as a working musician, not known as a wrestler, he would need to be a passable singer because his guitar playing is not really up to snuff for even like a regular gigging cover musician. The The whole act is that he's kind of not a good musician so it's weird to try to turn this guy now into a positive babyface figure doing it against baron corbin's the right guy to do it against i think the best chance you have is with elias as an anti-authority figure a guy who cannot stand baron corbin and maybe that could even be his like driving rivalry more than anything else it it's odd because it's like rooting for the honky tonk man. Yeah, or Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> or Jeff. Well, yeah, Jeff Jarrett at least. I mean, n- no offense to Wayne Ferris, he wasn't the greatest wrestler in the WWE when he was there with amongst all those technical guys during during the time he was there. Jarrett at least could hang like that. Elias, you know, and and the weird thing is that the face turn came out of nowhere by crushing. The the two week push of a guy who could be a marketable figure had they had they followed up on his breaking ground stuff and that's Apollo Cruz. I, I hate I hate these moves. I hate this fifty fifty we give this guy a push one week 
and then we beat them the next week, and then we got to figure out what to do with them. They did this with Chad Gable, with uh, um, I want to almost call him Muhammad Hassan, uh, the in- Indian. Oh, um, guy. the Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal. Uh, they did that with Mahal. They're kind of doing it with Bobby Roode, even though I, I I am looking forward to that main event match with those two and uh, and the revival. I heard it was very good live. It just depends on how they edit it, but you, you can't. You, uh, they they did this with Ty Dillinger over the past couple of weeks. They did it with Shelton Benjamin a little bit on SmackDown. It's like the one week push and then just beat the guy. It's like why do that? That it just it drives me insane when there are stories to tell i it, it's it's one of those annoying like there there is no mid card it's either you're a star or you're a guy losing to a star and these people all kind of feel like toys in a toy box where we, we just forget about them for weeks at a time and then oh all of a sudden we need this character again the apollo cruz thing was really really muddy because he came out and his whole thing was i've been backstage And everyone's been passing me by. Like, he almost came off as a heel, except that he didn't wrestle as a heel against Elias in that match. And now he is once again sort of back to treading water or worse than treading water. I I mean, I guess we could say give it a week. But the thing is, and this is the most frustrating part about the booking thing, is that it is so lazy that it makes it hard to anticipate things. I can't tell what matters because things that I think should matter don't matter. And they discard or drop things or twist things and turn things and key plot points that you would think would be indicators for where this is going get disregarded, like with Drew and Braun. Yeah, and and if they're rerunning a program one week to the next, the other person's winning. Oh, yeah, It's one of those... It's one of those things that drives you nuts. Like, again, they reran Usos versus Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, and naturally, because Dan, because AJ Styles got punched last week, now Daniel Bryan has to get kicked this week. This is and... the Ramones formula of booking, where the second verse is the same <laughs> as the first. So it's not 50-50 booking in this case because the Usos won both times. But the trend, regardless across all of this, is that we do something week one. Week two, it's the same thing as week one. And then it, it just, it the, 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 the follow-up promo backstage was, did you mean to do that? And it's like, oh, Wait, wait, man, wait, Jeff. Really? You got to explain to me something. What is Pinocchio? <laughs> What's a Pinocchio. I, I thought Daniel Bryan got half-assed his part in it, and that's sad because it's just like <laughs> it's almost like you're watching a guy clock in and just do his look. I'm just gonna do my job. And I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> just it was like it was like such a such a contri such a contrivance in terms of, in terms of the story, and I I actually felt bad for them doing that when. You know, the compelling story to me is two guys who are really good at their jobs eventually coming together for the dream match. And instead, we got this tag team partners who can't get along. But there there are two stories that they, they tell. One was... Uh, it makes them both look stupid. You know, That's the problem with this format is that, like, these are miscommunications. So both of them are misreading it 
And in the WWE universe, there is no instant replay unless there is, and no one rewatches matches from last week unless they do, and they need to inside of a promo. So the takeaway here is that AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan are two guys who legitimately have nefarious thoughts about each other. It's very unadmirable, and it makes them both less likable. Well, then they obviously started wrestling last week because had they been wrestling for any amount of time, if you get four guys in the ring trying to coordinate violence with one another, occasionally you're going to have a miscue. And their entire worlds apparently fall apart if if everything doesn't go exactly to plan. It, it, it's that mental weakness type thing that, that we kind of harped on last week and you're just like these are supposedly the greatest athletes in the world and none of them have any mental focus whatsoever um hey Chris did you know that uh these uh past two weeks uh well shit that was that was not worded how I wanted word let's word it again hey Chris did you know that uh Sunday is a historic pay-per-view the first women's all pay-per-view all pay-per-view. Does it feel historic to you in the build? I mean, who could forget such <laughs> important and well-done angles like the Charlotte and Becky angle where WWE decided that they needed to go full steam ahead with the wrong person as the face and the wrong person as the heel. Or, Jeff, who could forget the women's battle royal as we all know mid-card battle royals that aren't the royal rumble are always very memorable i mean who could forget that one time there was the one on smackdown i think possibly raw uh whatever it was it was probably very good and and the participants in this battle royal I i hear jeff that they're even bringing in tori wilson this is something i think you're gonna want to have your camcorders out for uh, wow, she hasn't been back since the Royal Rumble. Wow, oh, the Royal Rumble? That was yeah. eons ago. Uh, there, There's a lot to unpack on this. I think Thursday we'll give our, our predictions on all these, but I am I could not believe, number one, on on the undercard, we still haven't seen the Mae Young Classic, uh, what is it, semifinals? So we don't know. They, they can't even plug who's going to be in that match on the pay-per-view, even though spoilers are out there. And to me, you'd want both of these women on Raw to plug that match, to plug this card. You'd want Kyrie Sane and Shayna Baszler maybe in cameos. Not even in, in, you know, you have them in the video, but if this is that historic... Man, thank God that match is on this card. If that is historic, if this is as historic as you'd like it to be, or like us to think it would be, then you are going to give it that kind of solemnness. You're going to bring in all the women that are on this card and not just do the standard, oh my, the Battle Royal builds in this company. We went over it the last six week. The six-man tag builds in this company. They're the all so ma- The six-woman tag and, and the Riot Squad are just nothing. dead. Yes, I, they, they are a completely boring act. There, there was a line I almost tweeted at you earlier where it was like, the Riot Squad have done nothing but create chaos and mayhem for all who have faced them. 
And I was trying to think of like a faction or a unit or an anything that I could recall the Riot Squad dominantly causing chaos and wreaking havoc over. They never have even half-assedly tried to take over Raw. You have a battle royal for a title match. Why why would the participants in the six-woman tag not say, hey, we'd rather be in the battle royal for the title match? That that's what kills me about this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit. I liked the Charlotte Becky PC thing. I thought it was different. the 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 questions were were kind of dumb, but I liked no I I, I liked the creativity the PC of it. thing, and I do like the creativity of it. I'm not knocking that. My knock on the angle is that they chose the wrong people for the casting. It, that the PC thing was good. Yeah. I mean, let let's do this another way. Imagine Becky is in the PC delivering the inspirational speech about how you have to keep trying and sometimes you have to overcome stuff and sometimes you have to find your fighter's edge. And in comes Hot Dog Charlotte talking about how great her father is and how these people just simply lack the pedigree that she has and that she brings to the table on top of the technical prowess, on top of being a physical specimen. She comes in there and she's totally arrogant. I think that that is a hotter ankle than what we got. But I liked what the idea was. I, but I liked what the idea was. Yeah, I, 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 I said as I said last week, you have all these legends who were already back for the Royal Rumble, except this time we have Medusa as well, which is insane to me that she's going to go over the top rope because in December of 2017, I went to a Rye show where her and Bull Nakano were there, and they were building to a tag match in uh, in Berwyn, Illinois, for the next Rye show. And then the next week, Medusa gets a knee replaced. So she's going in there with a replaced knee, and she's going to take a bump over the top rope, which is nuts to me. Um, and a bunch of, you know, old people from the past that so they can get up one last pop in Uniondale, New York, even though they got it during the during the Royal Rumble, which is a bit ridiculous to me. Um, I, you know, all these programs are kind of thrown together a bit. I'm I'm trying to remember. I had a point, and I can't remember. Oh, the USA special. I watched it. I, I'm I'm driven a bit nuts, and longtime listeners know I've I've ranted on this enough, but I'm gonna do it again. Most of the credit of Evolution should be given to the horsewomen of NXT. Now I think there's still a chance that there might be some sort of angle done during this evolution show involving them to make them the focus, perhaps for a survivor series match. But if you watched that special, the story from the WWE is that the Bellas one day decided that they wanted to be considered just as good as the men. And they wanted longer matches after working with Paige and Emma and that Stephanie McMahon then deigned it on, on the division. And that eventually they got all the respect in the world, and then Ronda came in with with a with a couple of things of oh yeah, Sasha and Charlotte had a couple of great matches. Totally disregarding how this built up in NXT with great matches, and then eventually an angle with Bailey winning the title, which re- which really put on the map after NXT Brooklyn, and then the Bellas were jealous of them getting all this hype. And wanting to, a chance to do the same thing, and then they got the hashtag. It, it, it the <laughs> the the total 
corporate the WWEization of the women's evolution is insane in so many ways and I don't know if I'm wrong on this because it feels like I'm partially wrong because after they announced Nikki and Ronda Nikki being a reality star Ronda being you know having the cachet from UFC ticket sales did much better so maybe I'm totally off on this. I thought it would be a celebration of the work rate women who made this great. But maybe maybe it should be the personalities who who they think got them to the dance. I I just I'm I'm flummoxed by the whole thing to be honest with you. So here's the problem with emphasizing Ronda and the Bellas. It's that you don't know that you have Ronda long-term, and you know that Nikki Bella is winding down. So, really, I think Evolution should be a showcase for the people of the brand for tomorrow. Uh, Even Charlotte, you know, you put her in the main event, especially, you know, for me, if she was a heel champion, you put her in the main event, you have this be a big showcase for her, really establish her as the flair and the brand for tomorrow for the women. I, I think that that is a better way to go. But, you know, you also can't fault WWE for wanting to get return on investment with Ronda Rousey. They put a lot of money into her, and she's not there to make pancakes. <laughs> no, that's Mr. Bootiesworth's job. Exactly. But Mr. Bootiesworth <laughs> got bullied, Jeff. They were mean to Mr. Bootiesworth, and we haven't seen him since. That said, I you know what? I mean, it's a four-hour pay-per-view. And it doesn't feel like there's a lot of matches on this. I'm hoping these things get time to breathe rather than just a lot of video packages and a lot of, you know, nostalgia and a lot of, you know, I, I would love for that NXT women's match for the May young classic match, the six woman match. And you know, the last woman standing match is going to get time. So, so I'm hoping that those four matches right there can carry this to being a really great show, because I think it would be a real boon from top to bottom for the for the roster, if it is. I mean, the the Royal Rumble was well-received in terms of how it was booked and how everybody kind of did. So these one-on-one matches, I, I think, would be especially helpful. And, and I really hope that they don't skimp on the time of the non-main roster brands. Yeah, if anything, I think you want to give Shayna and Kyrie a lot of time to breathe because I think they can deliver the best singles match. Charlotte and Becky will deliver a strong singles match as well. I have concerns that Ronda and Nikki could be pretty sloppy. Yeah, I, I mean, neither of them, I mean, they, they each have their foibles. Especially if they have time. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I mean, Ronda hasn't been in a match with a long time where she didn't have partners she could tag out. You know, or or there were, wasn't smoke and mirrors from the outside, and there'll still be some of that with Brie probably interfering. There there will still be the smoke and mirrors of you know if Ronda needs a break, she can go out, get beat up, lay there for a while, whatever. Um, you, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see in this position how they both do because this is essentially the main event of the show, and 
you know, you hope, you hope it does well. Um, I liked the DX promo, half of that, that whole segment. I thought Hunter came off as serious. I thought, I thought he kind of got HBK. He got the main event swear word, of course, in there. Um, but it's just, Hey, this is a fight. This isn't some nostalgia thing. We're the best. We're going to kick your ass. I, you know, I like the straightforward fight promo. Something was kind of grating about the old, just another word for we're the best, or it's just a shorthand for we're the best. And maybe that's just a younger man feeling the condescension that millennials have felt from baby boomers and Gen Xers. But th- I'm sorry. That one just. Do I make you feel? Hold on. Do I make you feel bad? No, Hawkins. But just know this: when I say that you're old, I'm not saying you're the best in code. 